Life Her Podcast. Her is me, her is you. Her is us, her is she, her is we. United we stand, baby, that her for keeps. I'm coming and I demand my space, I know it's free. I owe myself the world, they tried to count me out. I've been down some dark roads, they tried to pound me out. From cloudy to sunny, ain't think that I would make it out. I needed positive emotions to fill me out. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Lloyd host of Life Hurt Podcast. I am here with the biz lawyer, Rosina, and we are going to have a deep conversation and a serious conversation about trademark. A lot of people are really not informative about the concept of a trademark. You think it's just one step, but it's actually more than one. And it's many steps, even when you get your trademark approved. So Rosina, how, how are you? I'm fine. And thank you so much. I just want to say thank you so much for having me as a guest on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm I'm excited about having this conversation with you because due to me also utilizing your services with Life Her Podcast. So I really appreciate you for helping me with my steps of obtaining my trademark approved and everything. It took about a little over a year, but I got it. Yes. And I always tell people like, we got to, you know, it's a legal process. It's a process with the government. So it's actually going to take a while. But you actually did it at a good time when they were like on a good timing schedule. Because it used to take the government three to four months to review the applications. But then once COVID hit, they thought like everybody was going to quarantine and chill. But people started quarantining and creating and they started protecting their intellectual property. And so the government seen the most trademarks ever found in history during COVID. And so it really caused them to be like on backlog, whereas where it used to take them three to four months to review the application, it's now taking them about nine to 12 months to review the application. Ooh, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but we still doing better than Canada. Now, Canada, they take three right. years to do the whole process. Really? So, mm-hmm. so we still... It's still going better. (laughs) So my question to you is, during the process of you filing it, what if someone starts trying to use your logo or anything that's attached to your brand? So that's a great question because, okay, so when it comes to a logo, it's twofold, right? So if you design your logo, then you are the copyright owner to your logo. If you pay someone to design a logo for you, then technically under the law, by default, they are the copyright owner. Now, when you pay someone to design your logo because you're a business owner, you want to own all your business assets, all your intellectual property, you're going to have them sign off on what we call a work for hire agreement to transfer those rights to you. And so then what ends up happening is if someone use your logo and say, for instance, they're using it like a podcast like you, which is the same industry, and it's the exact same name, now you can sue them not only for trademark infringement, but also for copyright infringement as well. Because they are copy, they're infringing on the creative work that's created within the logo. Also, they are infringing on the trademark, which is when you take a name and you attach it to a product or service, for instance, this is the services of providing podcast services, and you're putting it in a marketplace. And if they're doing the same thing, now they're infringing or two different types of rights that you have as the brand owner. Wow. So even during that process, say for instance, you have a photo shoot 
or someone that's a videographer putting things together for you for promo of your business? Do you have to obtain copywritten information and work for hire as well? Yeah, so pretty much. So a lot of photographers, they don't like to like release their copyrights, right? Because that's how they like eat from their work and how they make money, which is understandable. So from there, like with the photographer, if you can get them to release, you know, under a work for hire agreement saying, because Disney does it, right? With all the animators creating all the animations, like yeah. those copyrights are owned by Disney, regardless of who drew them up, who created them, right? But like, for instance, like photographers who like to shoot for like big magazines, like Vogue and things like that, they want to own the copyrights. But what Vogue will do is they'll have them sign off on a release, meaning that Vogue can use the photographs however they like. And it's called like, you know, they'll have like exclusive rights to, and royalty free, you know, to use it throughout the universe, however they like. So it just really depends. And I always say like when you're entering into a business relationship, we need to have those things flushed out and talked about like what 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 the parties want, the type of rights they want, and then what the opposite party is willing to release or let go. Because if you're dealing with a photographer who's not willing to let go of those copyrights and you're a company like Disney who require that you own them so you can do what's needed with them, then you you might want to find someone else who can do that, but and pay them well, right? Because they're giving up right. something. Versus if someone's like, you know, no, that's just not an option at all. Wow, that's a lot to unpack because a lot of people, you know, we go in it and we just trying to promote our products, we trying to promote our brand, just everything, and we're just so freely doing that. So do you recommend someone to start the trademark process before they actually release a lot of things that have to do with their business? I absolutely do. And, you know, sometimes people have controversy around this topic when it comes to it. But, you know, I always ask people, will you build a house on land you don't own or land you haven't cleared or land you haven't required, acquired the deed to? And everyone always says no. And so it's the same thing. Like, why would you build a business or a brand if you do not own it, right? So think about this. You can go out and like this lip gloss tube right here. And you see how like L'Oreal is like embedded in this lip gloss tube. And you go out and you say, for instance, if this was your brand and you got all this product, all this packaging, right? And you put your contents inside of it, which is the lip gloss, and you don't own the name, right? You invested, let's say you just ordered, because when you do purchase order, you got to purchase at least, you know, a minimum order. So say the purchase order is a minimum of $10,000, right? And you just put all of the, the names on all of the units that you just bought. Well, if that brand is not owned and you haven't done a thorough search research for the brand, because under trademark law, it's not about what's the same, but what can be deemed confusingly similar. So therefore, if someone say they actually own that brand name or they own something similar to it and they actually have the registered trademark under the law, they can force you to turn over all your product packaging, all your marketing material to be destroyed, right? And so I know the process and we talked about it. It takes a while. It takes a long time. But what I tell people to do before investing in product packaging and marketing material is at least do the due diligence of having a research performed 
And if the name checks out and looks like everything is good and the research is not going to be like a hundred percent, right? Solid bulletproof, but at least you have some type of information before going into and putting the name where it bears on the products or the packaging. And so therefore do the research first, right? And then once the research is done, at least file the application so you have some level of protection versus not doing anything, right? Some people just do it and they don't even do any research, right? Or they do the research and then they don't protect it by filing the application. And then once that happens, somebody else comes in, file the application, and now you got to spend more money even proving that you are the owner or the first user of the brand. So I always say start with the trademark process first because it's really going to be the foundational basis to help you as you're building that brand and business. Yes, that is a that is a lot for individuals of needing to know something like that, because, again, some of us are unaware of that, even as far as like, say, for instance, you have a, a body cream with the body cream, you use ingredients for that. Do you have to put those ingredients that involves into the trademark as well as like a copyright or trade secrets or something like that for you to be able to not get in trouble for it? So you would want to disclose the ingredients because people might be allergic to certain type of ingredients and things like that. So you do have to disclose what actually makes up the the, the body butter or, you know, the contents of like the lip gloss and things like that. You do have to disclose the type of ingredients that's in it. But, you know, Yvette, like if, you know, you were to get like ingredients to bake a pound cake and I was, I got those same ingredients to bake a pound cake, right? Our pound cake might come out tasting two different ways. Why? Because it's about the formula. It's about the mixture. It's about like how much sugar did you use versus how much sugar did I use? And so it's the formula, the breakdown of the ingredients that is protected under trade secret law. And trade secret law, you know, one thing about that Unlike a trademark or copyright or a patent, that is the one type of intellectual property you don't register with anyone, you know, not the government, not with your state or anyone. And the reason being is because it's supposed to be a secret, right? And nobody is supposed to have access to that information, but it's a way you can still protect your trade secret without disclosing, I mean, with disclosing the ingredients, but without disclosing the formula. Okay. I know during my process of doing a trademark, I had to basically choose a, I think it was called an international class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how do people know which class to choose that's good, that's a good fit for their business? And also, can you always choose more than one? Yeah. So that is a great question. And, you know, one, I would say, you know, they got to do the smart thing like you did and hire a lawyer, right, to advise. (laughs) Sometimes it's 45 different classes under trademark law. And sometimes people file in the wrong class thinking that protected. I just seen someone who filed in a class thinking they're protected in an apparel class and it's the wrong class, right? And so what you want to do is you can file in multiple different classes as we recommend. And the reason being is because, you know, certain trademarks can coexist in the marketplace. That's why we have Dove Chocolate, Dove Soap, Mac Makeup, Mac Computer, Delta Airline, Delta Faucet, Pandora Jury, Pandora Music. So as long as they're not in competing market industries, then they can coexist in the marketplace. 
But say, for instance, you are a hairstylist, right? And you do hair. You actually teach people how to do hair. You sell hair weave. You sell hair products and you sell hair tools, right? That's five different classes that your brand name can be registered in because you provide all of those services. So think like a Paul Mitchell, who has Paul Mitchell Beauty School, who has Paul Mitchell Hair Salons, who has Paul Mitchell Hair Tools. They have Paul Mitchell Hair Extensions is what they call it. Um, And then they have Paul Mitchell um, Cosmetic Products. That's five different classes that your brand needs to be protected in. And the reason that's important is because because it goes back to you can coexist in a marketplace. And, you know, there's a case where LeBron James has filed the trademark for more than an athlete. And there was already a registered trademark for more than an athlete. And the government approved LeBron James trademark for publication because LeBron filed it in a different class than the the, the one that was in the um, already registered for more than an athlete. And so now that person who did their trademark themselves, because it's public record, I can see they didn't have an attorney, was trying to sue LeBron James for $33 million. But that trademark registration and based on how it's written does not support the $33 million claim. So it becomes very important. And so, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I could find my own trademark. I could do my own trademark. But it's really the importance of the, the counsel and the advising that goes into it after the research has been conducted to how you should file the actual trademark. Wow. So what's the difference between you filing for the United States trademark and the state trademark? Because they have it for state as well. Yeah, that's a great question. So state registration, it may be good, like if you're a state organization, right? And you're not planning on going outside of the state, right? But the difference is, and I always tell people like, sometimes the state is not going to protect you as right. well as a federal trademark, right? Because if you have a state registration, think about it. Your trademark is registered in Illinois and you have someone in Georgia using it, right? You can file a, a federal a federal common law trademark infringement trying to say that you used it first. But that may be a point where you can be boxed in to just Illinois because you did not file a federal trademark, right? That is our Burger King case that happened back in the 1960s where there was an original Burger King out of Mattoon, Illinois, and they had a state registration in the state of Illinois. And when the Florida company, which is now the big corporation, came about, they asked them not to move into the state of Illinois. And I always say money talk and you know what else walks. <laughs> and it came into the state of Illinois and the original Burger King in Mattoon, Illinois filed a declaratory judgment in federal court to kick Burger King, Florida state of Burger King out of the state of Illinois. And the court asked back in that time, well, you know, Mattoon, Illinois, Burger King, how far do your customers come? And they said within the 20 mile radius. And the court then said, okay, well, they can't come within the 20 mile radius of your restaurant, but now you can't go outside a 20 mile radius of your restaurant because they have federal registration. Federal always trumps state. And also too, you know, it's 2023 now and that Latoon, Illinois Burger King is still around today. And just imagine like if they had the vision, right? Or the like the original Burger King and they, they wasn't thinking small, they wasn't thinking low, but they was thinking on a national level. And that's what I tell people, you know, like you got to think really big for your business now 
In that situation, back in those days, you had to show interstate commerce and that type of thing. But this Mattoon, Illinois is right off the highway, I-57, where many truck drivers and people are riding through. So, you know, like maybe, you know, they just didn't understand the importance of it then. But also, too, like now when we have the Internet, we have the World Wide Web, right? The moment you have a website, you now have interstate commerce. The moment you're on Instagram with your business, that's interstate commerce. So you want to have broader protection on the federal level than just in the state. I'll also say that there was a recent case in the state of Illinois. Again, the Illinois, they'll be able to no respect for um, them. There was a restaurant. It was like a steakhouse restaurant. And they were actually, and so Illinois is broken into three different districts. So we have Northern, Central, and Southern District. And so this, the original steakhouse, they were in Northern District of Illinois. The name, and so their brand name was the same. And there was another restaurant that was operating in Southern, the Southern District of Illinois. And, you know, they took them to state court and said, hey, they're infringing on our name. We have a state trademark registration. And the state of Illinois said, yeah, but y'all in two different regions and nobody's going to confuse y'all. So y'all could coexist, right? Really? Whereas it could never happen if they owned the federal trademark because under the federal law, it doesn't matter if you are in the state of Illinois and someone is in the state of Georgia. If they're infringing on your rights, they're infringing on your rights. So federal law is always better unless, like I said, there's a specific reason why you need to be in the state because maybe you're only going to operate in that state. Wow. So is it any period of time when you have to re-register for it? Does it ever expire? Yes, that's a great question. So a trademark will last as long as you use it. You will not lose it, right? But you do have to keep up your registration with the federal government. The registration is usually once you have it registered, you have to file maintenance and renewal documents between your fifth and sixth year anniversary and then your ninth and tenth year anniversary from registration date. And then every 10 years thereafter, right? So like Coca-Cola was registered in 1893. Mercedes was registered in 1903. Right. And now to, to this day, at, on their 10th year anniversary, they're still filing. Because what it is, this trademark law, like I said, as long as you use it, you will not lose it, but you have to show the usage. Right. And right. so um, the government wants to see every 10 years that you're continuously still using a brand. So you have to file what we call our section eight and 15 documents and things like that for your first fifth and sixth year anniversary. Now, do you help people do that? I do actually. And actually, I'm, I'm actually talking with someone now who trademark was canceled because for some reason she didn't get noticed. Right. But like when you are one of our clients, you're on our docket. And so we actually notify you. And right now, a lot of clients are coming up on their anniversaries right now. And so we're emailing them, letting them know that their anniversary is due. And so if they, you know, they want to continue on with the registration they want to continue on with our representation. They pay us, we pay the fee, and we get it renewed for the next five years or 10 years. Wow. So what inspired you to become a trademark lawyer? I've heard one of your interviews previously before your dad wanted you to be a criminal justice lawyer. Yes. <laughs> so I am from the west side of Chicago, and I knew I wanted to be a lawyer since I was five years old. And it was really like, 
when I was in high school, going to high school, I knew I wanted to do something business related because I just, you know, watching TV, you know, all the fancy lawyers, they did like some type of business law. Right. And I just, you know, I didn't want to like do criminal law. Um, It just seemed like even on TV, the criminal lawyers, they were all stressed out. Right. And so I was like, oh, this. And so I used to say, I want to do international business law. Didn't even know what it really meant, but I just knew like, you know, I get to travel a lot. It looked really fancy and it, it felt like I'll make a lot of money. But then um, what ended up happening was while I was studying for undergrad, I majored in paralegal studies because I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I was like, just give me the law, right? And so I took a class for intellectual property law for paralegals. And that was my first time like really being introduced to trademark law. And it's so crazy because we were supposed to talk about all the intellectual properties, which we we talked about them. The other was like this much because the adjunct professor was actually a trademark lawyer. And so she really like like the syllabus was like nine weeks trademarks and then one week and one week like, you know, she. And I was, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love. I knew I wanted to go to law school. She, at the end of the class, she was like, you know, Rosine, you definitely should go. I'm going to write your letter of recommendation. I was like, oh my God. And so from there, I went to law school and all of my electives classes was intellect, straight intellectual property, trademark, copyrights. I took one patent course for people who did not have a technical background. And that was good and had a lot of fun in that case. And I just, I, I absolutely love it. I love working with entrepreneurs. I love working with business owners, visionaries who have amazing visions and helping them protect their intellectual property. I love it. Wow. So when was that moment when you became the biz lawyer and you had to trademark that for yourself and everything? You know, so I actually... I started Instagram in 2016 because I was anti-social media. The reason why I was anti-social media, one, Facebook was introduced like around my first year in law school. I, I started law school in 2009. And this is okay. when like everybody started getting on Facebook. And I remember like the moment somebody like helped me get on there, I was distracted in my torts class. And I was just like, this cannot happen. Like this is a distraction for me. So um, I set it down, turned it off or whatever. And then I graduated law school in 2013. And I was still like, it was all word of mouth business. But then, you know, I was like, let me just see what's on this Instagram. It looks a lot simpler because it's just it's right. You're right. People complain about their baby daddies and all that. (laughs) Drama, drama, drama. That was one thing. I was like, let me just check this Instagram thing out. And, you know, Instagram has grown. It it, it really is completely different from what it was at first. But I went on and I saw, and I was like, you know, I'm going to sign up as RJ Pierce Law Group. And I'm like, that ain't. That ain't cute because people don't really know. And so I was like, I need to come up with something more creative. And at the time when I was on Instagram, I only knew one other lawyer on Instagram. And she was like, you know, her brand name was not even referencing lawyer, but I knew I wanted everybody to know I was a lawyer. And I also looked at it like, oh, these people on Instagram are my potential clients. And so I was like, let me pick a name that let them know like that I'm here to serve them. And so I was just like the biz lawyer. So I'm thinking, okay, because it's Instagram. I'm thinking it's not that important. Not knowing that like this will take a whole form and become like this whole thing that I could never even imagine. 
And so then, you know, one day, like maybe like two years afterwards, like maybe 2018, I'm in Target in downtown Chicago. And this young lady, she was just like, oh my God, the best lawyer, the best like, who are you talking to? Okay. And so, and my social media manager always used to tell me I need to trademark the name. And I just like, uh, it's up. But that day in Target, I was like, okay, I really have to protect this name. And, and I'm so happy I did when I did because, you know, unfortunately, I have to send people cease and desist letters, like people that follow me and they adopt my name. And I'm like, which if you're a lawyer, you say you're a trademark lawyer. One thing better, right? So it's just like, you know, I'm so happy I protected it. And, you know, that leads me to also to like, we need to protect our names, especially if we're building brands around our names. Uh, like Martha Stewart owns the trademark to her name. Jay-Z owns the trademark to his name. Beyonce owns the trademark to her name. Vera Wayne, right? Like, I mean, I can go on and on and on. And the reason being because people have had to stop using their name because of trademark infringement, right? And so right. if you're building a business or a brand as it relates to your name, it's powerful that you protect it. And also, too, like I said, a trademark will last as long as you use it, you will not lose it. Like Bob Marley family, they're doing an amazing job with protecting the rights of his name. Yes, they are. Walmart, Target, this coffee place, and have won multi-million dollar lawsuits because people are misappropriating his name infringing on his trademark, which is owned by his kids, his family, his estate, right? If you want to use Bob Marley's name, you have to have a license to use his name. A lot of commotion just came up about all of those little chapels in Vegas about right. Elvis Presley and his likeness and his brand. So it's very important that we protect our name, especially if we're using our name in connection to our business or service. Yes, because that's a lot because our name will get the spread in. We're getting featured on magazines and so many things. And then people will start to see the things that you do. A lot of your posts that you do post, a lot of the content that you have, is that covered as well? So so your content is usually covered under copyright, right? It's covered yeah. under copyright law. It's a creative expression picture to a tangible medium. And it's trust and believe I have had somebody like copy my post and caption word for word. And I have to like, you know, pull up on them in the, you know, and I always tell my clients, don't be DMing people. <laughs> that don't really mean nothing. But, you know, out of respect, you know, and I'm like, if you're a lawyer, you know better, you understand. So I'm going to need you to remove all my content off your page because this is ridiculous. It's, it's, I mean, like as a, as a professional, we, we should honor the rules of plagiarism, right? And then to, to take it one step further and do copyright infringement. And, you know, sometimes a lot of people don't know, right? They just don't know. But, you right. know, I always tell people if you're going to. And the crazy thing is, like, it's one thing to, like, repost somebody's stuff, share somebody's thing, right? Please just give them credit, right? If that's yeah. it. But to re repackage it like it's yours that's a problem, right? Like, so think about like how your 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 content looks, right? With the um, Life Hurt podcast and you might post some content and you have Life Hurt podcast and then they take that exact same content and just remove your name and put their name on, right? That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it happen. <laughs> I've seen it happen. You know, a lot of us have that when we see it happen. 
especially like, for instance, like, you know, how a lot of people take a lot of content from TikTok and bring it over to Instagram and they repost it and they show it and everything. However, a lot of people is finding controversy because this is my video. You did not tag me. And some people get offended by that. Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing, though, I would say that's good for TikTok is if you take that video, the person's name is still there. Right. You always see their TikTok handle in there. Yeah. But you're right. Like, why not tag these people, you know, to give them credit and things like that. And so I'm also like being more conscious because sometimes we, it'd be like, oh, that's good. You know, and you yeah. want to take the video and post it. But at least like and sometimes you don't even know who the original person is. Right. Yeah. But it's just good to share. But if you can, I will always say like, you know, tag those people as well. And sometimes TikTok names be different than Instagram names. So that'd be a little harder. But like you said, like appreciate at least like showing what their TikTok name is. Wow. So when was that big moment when your following just started to increase and people started recommending you and wanted to utilize your services. What was that feeling like? I don't think I reached it yet. You know, I'm very critical. I'm not hard on well, you hard on yourself. Hard on girl. You know, like, like you know, and I, I try to be careful with that because I don't want God to think that I'm not thankful and grateful and express gratitude, right? But I just know like it's so much more from you, you know, so much yes. more that's achieved. And, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to get comfortable in a success. I was just at a conference with E.T., the hip hop preacher over right. the weekend. And he said something so profound. He said, sometimes our success of small things can be the enemy to our massive success. Right. And so it's just like, I don't want to like, you know, get like, I only have 128,000 followers. Right. Like, I know people with a million followers and people still don't know who they are, right? So it's just yes. like, you know, because like you can't assume like everybody knows you, right? And so I just feel like, and I tell my marketing team all the time, like we're not even doing, we're doing probably 10% of the marketing potential that we have, right? And so that's one thing for 2023 that I do want to do is like, you know, level up, get it before more people and things like that because, you know, I walk through the airport. Everybody know who I am, you know? So it's just like, <laughs> you know, I go to Target, you know, I want to be, you know, that was, that was an amazing feeling with that lady yelling my name out on Target, you know, and the people like, who is this? Who is she? You know, <laughs> and also I had one time I was in Connecticut and we were at an event and these people, I spoke and then some of the conference people, we were standing in line to, to eat at a restaurant. And the conference people was like, can we take a picture with you? And it was like a few people. On, and, you know, and it was like some other people, you know, of other race. They didn't know who I was. They were like, who is she? What does she do? <laughs> you know, like that type of thing. But I, I feel like, you know, I still have to, I have work to do. I still have work to yes. do. Um, well, that, that's good too, because it shows that you're humble as well. And the fact that you still have more work to do for yourself. And that, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Still, still got some things to do, you know. I'm trying to, you know, our firm was just ranked number 37 out of over 28,000 trademark law firms in the country. I was ranked number 15 
out of over 33,000 trademark lawyers in the country. And, you know, it's not really about trying to be number one or anything. I think that's an amazing thing for a little girl from the west side of Chicago to build a life like that. But, you know, it's just, I want to take us to the next level, you know, the next level. And, you know, they talk about how Black women are one of the the fastest people to create new businesses and things like that. But for me right now, but we don't create the sustainability of our businesses. And so right now for me, it's just on to the next level of like sustainability. Because girl, I just feel like I'm in a Rick Ross song every day. I'm hustling out there. <laughs> and I'm trying to get in that other song, Richer Than I Am, would be in that song right there. That would be your biggest boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, and this year it'll be 10 years that my business will be here in May. Um, I finished law school, got my license 2013. And so it's just like, you know, I learned a lot and I want to, you know, do things differently so I can retire in the next five years. I was just about to say I'm 40. I want to retire by the time I'm 45. But to an extent to where my business still pay me, you know, my business is still running without me. And, you know, as as business owners, and I know this is the Life Her podcast, and as women, like when we're going into business, we got to be very strategic about it. And, and what is that exit strategy for us, right? Is it to sell the business? Is it to, you know, have the business continue to run and take care of you? Because one thing, you know, I believe God did not put us on this roof to run ourselves down in the ground and work to the day we die, you know? So like, and, and, you know, like for me, like I love working, but, you know, I want it to be optional, not, you know, exactly. that makes sense. So for the next five years, just trying to be strategic on how, setting up that sustainability looks. Yes. Well, speaking of setting up the sustainability, let's talk about something that you released. It's called Secure the Vision. I know a lot of people aren't aware of certain things that you do. I know one thing. I get emails from you every day. <laughs> oh, you always offering a class, some sort of Zoom. Sometimes it's free. And a lot of times it's just something you could just go over to the next level. I really love all the things that you offer people. It's very rare for you to see that about trademark this. You push it so much to a point. At some point, you don't have to break and you don't have to get that trademark. <laughs> we pushing it. So can you let people know about your 15 minute discovery call? And a lot of things that you do that you started offering in 2023. Yeah. So we have a discovery call if you want to move forward where we check your name and then we explain the process to you. Now, I do have a team now, y'all. So I won't be on a discovery call, but I have I take I train my team and things like that. And so they'll take you through that. But also, too, you know, I really believe like you got to serve right in order. Like, you just got to serve because if you are if you're a child of God, he say take care of his people and he'll take care of you. And so how I feel like I serve is through education and by educating people, because, if you know, we don't know better. We won't do better. And so I try to do a webinar at least once a month. This month, January, I'm doing three webinars just for people who, you know, schedules or whatever, but secure the vision. And so normally I do webinars and just talk only about trademarks, right? 
And we are a trademark law firm, but I realize that I serve entrepreneurs who need to understand and learn more about it. And I'm sticking to just being a trademark lawyer, but in my, you know, and that's our zone of genius, but in our zone of excellence, we, we, I used to do copyrights. I used to do, I mean, I'm sorry, I used to do contracts. I used to do business formation, estate planning, succession planning. So in the Secure of the Vision webinar, that's what we're going to be covering, just like all the things that you need to understand as an entrepreneur and how to use them wisely to your benefit. So in turn that you have truly secured your vision, because this is a new year and everybody tends to, you know, create vision boards. Right. And it's like, but how do we make this vision board a reality and how do we truly protect it? And so that's what I will be covering and talking about there. And we email, usually we email three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And that's another thing I would tell entrepreneurs is your marketing should beat like a drum and it should not stop regardless of what's going on. So in my firm, I do have a legal team. I do have an operations team. And I have a marketing team. So, you know, when people take in my stuff and stuff like that, like I'm paying literally like four out of five people to sit on my marketing team and create content for us, right? And so it's just like, you know, we want to be in front of you constantly reminding you. So when you decide to make that decision, you think of us because we've been here the whole time, right? And so marketing is very, very important as well. And I always just, you know, like they say, success leaves clues, right? And I try to follow good marketers because in order to keep your business in in front of people or in order to like, you know, reach people, you have to stay in front of them. That is good. I know one of the questions a lot of people would like to know is when you are a, say for instance, you're a photographer or like a coach, like you Mm -hmm. do coaching classes or even me with podcasting, things of that nature. Do you help people strategize and put together letters or like to protect your brand or when you have a conversations with someone when you're doing coaching classes and things of that nature. Yeah. So we actually, uh, so we have templates, right? And I actually taught a class on how you can use this template in different ways. But also too, I usually have retreats, right? Small intimate retreats right in COVID. Was it in COVID? Yeah, it was COVID. We had a retreat in Orlando in this beautiful mansion. 26 women came and we just talked about how to build your business, scale your business, coaching strategy, right? Then this last year we did it in Las Vegas at the Cosmopolitan Hotel. This year, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do it in person or is it going to be like a virtual situation? But, you know, I do want to offer that because I feel like, you know, it might need to be What I'm thinking we might do is do like the coaching virtually and then we come to a retreat together if everybody wants to come out. But that's what we got in the plans. That's what we got in the works. And I I do believe in coaching. Like I hire coaches to help me in my business, right? And because sometimes, you know, the best player need a coach, right? Like Michael Jordan can do it without a Phil Jackson, right? Kobe Roddy can do it without Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson back, right? So it's just like, you know, the best player needs a coach. And sometimes you're in your business and you got a particular view. But if you hire a coach, they have a different view from it because they outside of the game. Right. And they're looking from it from a big 
a wider perspective. And so like, I truly believe in like coaching and things like that. And so I try to give back as much as possible. So right now, you know, anyone who's like a six figure business trying to hit seven figures, like that's where I can help you at and get that sweet spot. And I'll tell you this, a lot of people don't like to hear this, but if you are trying to grow your business and at least hit that seven figures at first, you're going to have to niche down. You're going to have to niche down. You're going to have to focus, you know, have one type of focus. And people think, oh, I got to do seven different things because they said do seven different. No, you can have one area that you are focused in and things like that and be able to create seven different streams of income from that one different area. But if you over here talking about, you know, Airbnb and, you know, good credit and business credit and renting cars and travel and up, you're losing people, right? Like you, it just right. seemed like, you know, like, but once, and, and that helped me so much in my marketing because remember I used to talk about contracts, real estate, um, yes. law, and the moment I started just talking about what I love, trademarks, now everyone looks at the biz lawyer as the expert, right? When they think of trademarks, they, I want them thinking of me. So it's just like, and then the marketing becomes easier, right? You know, that's one thing. And so, and also too, you got to be coachable, right? You got to yeah. be coachable. Because, you know, my coach told me some things and I didn't want to listen to her. I just did. <laughs> you know, but guess what? She has, she was there where I was trying to get to. So I had to listen. Yes, listening is the key because, you know, we could be stuck in our ways and not thinking that person right. What's the point of having a coach when you can't be coached? Exactly. exactly. And I would say, like, you got to take everything they say because some things, like, it got to be in alignment with truly who you are. Like, my coach was trying to tell me not to be a lawyer and be a coach. And I was like, no, I'm called to be a lawyer, not a, you know, and in that I can coach people, but I'm a lawyer, right? And I, you know, I, that's what I love doing. I love advocating. I love fighting for people. I am a lawyer, but, you know, I was like, but I'll niche these things down and pick one, you know, pick one. Yeah. It was such a, such a game changer, such a game changer. Wow. So how can someone get in contact with you and utilize your services? The best way is Instagram. You can go to the biz lawyer on Instagram. You could send us a DM. The link is in the bio to book a discovery call. 15 minutes for $25. We also have something called the Owners Club as well. Once you become a client, we will actually watch your trademark, send you watch reports. And in the Owners Club as well, I was a licensed cosmetologist before I became a licensed attorney. And in both of those professions, you have to do continuing education classes, but they don't have that for entrepreneurs. So in the Owners Club, we have a monthly master class that just provides you education and knowledge. So, yeah. So just follow me at the Biz Lawyer. Well, my contact information is there. Um, if you are not an Instagram person, because I realize everybody don't have Instagram, you can go to www.rjpiercelaw.com. So our, www.rjpiercelaw.com. And in case people are like, what's, what's RJ Pierce Law? I have clients and they be like, who is RJ Pierce Law? I'd be like, thank you for being Jennifer Pierce Law Group. But yes, yeah, so that's a better way to contact them. <laughs> well, thank you, Rosina, so much for being on Life Her Podcast and also helping us get trademarked and everything. I really appreciate you and your company. Your team is amazing. 
I love how quick they get back with them emails and everything. Y'all be on it. Well, I thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. I'm actually going to go and respond to some emails because my COO is out right now. And that is one thing like, I'm like, look, we give Chick-fil-A service and we have to communicate with our clients. So <laughs> you will definitely do. Yes, I appreciate that so much. <laughs> I appreciate you too. Thank you everyone for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Life Her Podcast, and check out our YouTube page as well. And make sure you subscribe. You can also look onto our website and you can purchase merchandise and listen to the podcast episodes. I am Yvette Lloyd. I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Take care of yourself and others you love dearly.